I, I remember the first time, you know, this gentleman that became my mentor for many years approached me and I was just like, who the hell are you? And, you know, why are you talking to me? I didn't ask for this. And, you know, and he just kind of, you know, invited me through a door that nobody had ever, I didn't even know the door existed, to oh, tell you the God. truth. That was Tony Himes, one of our very first guests. Why, Charles, would someone re-listen to that episode? This old, dusty, slightly uh, slightly ancient episode. I like to call it classic. Classic gold, absolutely. There's a couple different reasons why I think bringing this episode back to the foreground is really going to be great for our listeners. Tony is a gestalt therapist, and we'll talk about what gestalt means in a second. But he's a gestalt therapist, and he is really all about how we build and maintain contact with one another and with ourselves that I thou relationship mm. with the other so that the other is not an object but mm. but a subject and a, and a and a beloved and that that we ourselves make contact with the the thou inside mm. to make contact so it's really about honoring and living a richer more engaged life and and frankly I'm no good anymore at making contact in real life. I'm actually better now at making contact via Zoom calls and oh, clubhouse yeah. rooms and all that stuff. I need some help and reminder about right. how to be present for a physical person after 18 months of, of being in COVID. And I'm guessing mm -hmm. there's other people like me and, you know, that we have to, you know, get over you know, whether somebody's wearing a mask or not, get over whether Aww. somebody's, you know, tested or not. I mean, those are important. We got to keep mm -hmm. ourselves safe. But how can we maintain the ability to create contact with one another? And, you know, the work that I've been doing and that you've been doing uh, around our relationship and around ourselves, like there are times where I feel like I can make contact with you mm. really readily and times where it's a bit more of a struggle and times where I don't even want to. Mm -hmm. So this episode, and I just encourage everybody to just really find a time to take a deep breath and to listen to this episode with a little bit of space around you, maybe Ooh, not yeah. while you're trying to do something else, yeah. maybe going for a drive, maybe going for a garden, but, but try and get, try and listen mm -hmm. to this episode. Let it with, soak in with as much attention yeah. as you can. Yeah. So that's one reason is because I think there's some real skills mm -hmm. to, to dig up, to dredge up, to remember about how to be with one another. Right. And then, you know, there's kind of a couple of fun historical reasons to listen to this episode. One, this was the only the fourth episode that you and I did, that Kelly and I did. It's the first time that we cried uh, in an interview. It wasn't the last yeah, time. Yeah, it set the standard. And it did. And it, it actually really did. I think we walked out of that interview understanding what this podcast could be. Yeah, for sure. That it could be about authentic experiences. Pre-recorded, sure. Right. You know, mediated through the internet, sure. But... But in real time, like something happening. And that you all as listeners, you get to hear us... Mm -hmm. grow and change and experience and have moments of contact moments vulnerability. of vulnerability yes moments of Absolutely. struggle yeah that's what this that's it turns out that's what this podcast mm -hmm. has become yeah yeah so those are the those are the reasons i think people should listen to this episode 
Yeah. All right, let's get to it. I think those are some good reasons. So hello, hotties. Welcome to the weekly podcast for people craving a sense of connectedness, which you will get a ton of, a dose of empathy, ditto, a glimpse of the way forward, and an opportunity to engage. This episode is so much of all of those things. Absolutely. So like we said, Tony Himes is a Gestalt therapist and a founder of the Arizona Gestalt Institute. Gestalt therapy is a mode of therapy that, again, is about making contact with one another, letting the the client be right where they are. I call it validated place. Tony mm-hmm. calls it contact. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a modality of therapy that I've been through that has made a big difference in my life. And so we really encourage you to stay tuned for this heartfelt and enlivening conversation that, like we said, offers some real skills for engaging and connecting to live a richer life. And we just want to say one more thing to prevent any confusion. When we first started this podcast, we called it the Rocket Feather Podcast. So when we interviewed Tony in the original audio, you'll hear us refer to the Rocket Feather Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Rocket Feather Podcast. This has been the Rocket Feather Podcast. Don't worry about it. A year ago, we changed the name to the Here Together Podcast. You are in the right place. All right. The cats are secured? Yes. Yes. I just heard a squabble a minute ago. What was that? What's the other fine? They're fine. Check. The tape is rolling. Check. Caffeine at optimal levels. I think yeah. you, all of you can hear it. It is optimal right now. Check. Yeah. And the microphones are hot. Check. We are here together. together. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Rocket Feather Podcast, episode four. We're here with Tony Himes. And again, in another beautiful house, we're so this this mobile podcasting gig uh, gets us into the nicest places. Yeah. So, Tony, thanks thanks for having us here, for sure. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I'm always welcome to visitors and conversations. Yeah. So, my first question, our first question for you is just, how would you explain what you do? And and by that, I, I'm, I'm asking for not not the specifics of your profession, but mm-hmm. the way you work, the way I've seen you work is really unique and special. And I'm just curious, how would you describe what it is that you do? I would describe it as showing up in, in the most authentic way that I can in hopes that the other person will meet me in the same way. And in doing so, you know, the the intention is that we're going to make some connections with each other that we don't feel in any way obligated to do anything that doesn't feel natural to us in the moment. And like there's no pressure or expectation that I be a certain way or that they be a certain way and that we're just kind of showing up, you know, in this moment in time together with the hopes of, you know, meeting each other in a way where there's value for both of us. Um, I think the main thing for me is that there is an absence of expectation. Wow. That sounds a lot more like dance or uh, even a, even an intimate relationship than therapy or counseling. Absolutely. It, I don't, it's always weird to me, you know, when uh, I'm asked what I do as a profession and the expectation is that I say I'm a therapist or a counselor because I don't feel like that's what happens. You know, I feel like what happens between us um, 
is a form of dance and a form of movement and a form of art. Um, and the label of therapy or counseling doesn't quite fit what I consider happens in the, in the relations that I develop professionally and I try to develop personally. You know, I try and carry what I do professionally into my personal life um, and into my family life because, um, I don't know, I feel like that's where meaning and, and just finding value in life comes is through the nature of the relationships and the way I make contact with people. Wow, great. And you just, you just used the, one of the words that I was hoping you, you would get a chance to explore is that, that concept of contact Yeah, that you talk about. And you talk about it both in your, in your day-to-day life and your professional life. Absolutely. And it sounds like, sounds like there's, that's not, there's not a sharp division between this. It sounds like you're looking for contact in, in all the areas. Is in that all a, the areas, you know? Yeah. And, and I find, you know, what I find interesting is that in the in the places where i i try to make contact happen like i was at the bank this morning and the interaction that i had with the teller you know i was really trying to create contact between her and i and it felt like there was an expectation that we were supposed to be in this role of me coming in and getting money and her in the role of giving me money back and i was trying to seek a little more than that. And it was like we were kind of bumping up against each other like bumper cars, you know, like the contact wasn't almost allowed, you know. And anyway, I just, I didn't even realize it till after I left it that I was kind of pursuing something and it just wasn't, it, like culturally it wasn't okay or something, mm. you know, mm. like there was, our roles were so defined. And anyway, I found it interesting because I never thought of it that way. But, you know, in, in, in other relationships, therapeutically and, and with my family, the idea of contact, to me, it's what allows us to meet each other um, in a way that isn't one up or one down. You know, mm. Martin Buber mm. talked about it as I, thou, mm. you know, and he was a philosopher and um, is someone that I've read about. And when I read his way of approaching relationship, I fell in love with the ideas that he was conveying and had never experienced that in my life. You know? mm. And so when I read it and then um, began to pursue it as a way of showing up with, with people, it was so fresh and exciting. And um, I just make it a part of my life. You know, and I have such gratitude for the deep thinkers, you know, that came before that influenced him and, yeah, you know, now influences me and I influence people that I teach and that I counsel and, you know, and my children that, you know, I've been a part of just my way of approaching life and connection and relationship. Well, sounds like you um, didn't grow up with that kind of uh, dynamic in your in your life. No, no, it was like, it was the opposite. The, you know, the, the contact, you know, the, the idea of, of some type of interaction where you felt connected. Unfortunately, it involved alcohol and drugs. And, you know, it, there were moments and it, and it seems to me that 
with my parents and relatives that that was the only way they knew how to make contact, you know, is with kind of being intoxicated and allowed them to let go of their barriers or their defenses or the things that impeded on their authenticity and just way of being in the world. And so I learned that, you know, with alcohol and drugs, you could be in contact, but it, it often created other problems, um, you know, that resulted in a, a terrible way of being in relationship with people. And so, you know, trying to do that without the alcohol and drugs um, has so much more, has so much deeper meaning. Was there a gulf between or the old way and the new way? Uh, did, did you let go of the, the needing alcohol to, to, in order to be close first and then discover the new way or, or was one the was it a result of discovering a new way? Well, this could create some trouble for me with people in the recovery community because I, for years, for 21 years, I became abstinent, you know, from alcohol and marijuana and other drugs. And, you know, I raised my family that way and was a, kind of a stickler in terms of, you know, that that wasn't the way to be in relationship or that wasn't a, a good source or means to cope with problems or, and I seen the, I, I experienced the value of that. And then after that period of sobriety, many different circumstances kind of came into play where I began to question some of the principles and ideas around recovery and the 12 step approach to showing up in life. And I still hold many of those values dear to me, but I allow alcohol to be a part of my life today. And I feel like it plays a role in making contact with others, mm -hmm. but it, it's just one, it's not, to me, I kind of see it as a step, you know, and it might open because I'm not the most social person in the world. And when I wasn't engaging in, you know, social interactions that involved alcohol, uh, I was pretty um, alone and elusive. Hmm. And so when I made that more, I, I feel like it allowed me to make connections with people and it was just a step. And then after that initial step that alcohol was a part of, you know, it broadened, you know, into it's not a necessity for me, but it was just a way to socialize that created, you know, more of a, um, a community for me that was broader than just the recovery community. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was kind of boxed in with the recovery community, and now I'm not. Um, and that's not for everybody. Right. Some know. people can't. Drink. Some people can't. <laughs> and um, for years, I, you know, I, I had to worry about that. And it's been over 12 years that, you know, I use alcohol as a means to socialize, and it hasn't been problematic for me. And again, every person has to cross that bridge if they decide to even consider crossing that bridge so that 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 uh would you call it a uh a gulf a gulf you know it was there was a gulf there you know a gulf from um growing up in a family with that and then having a period of sobriety and then moving into a broader community where there was a lot of options and I felt like well, I had a choice. When did you, when did you discover the, the connecting on that healthy level? Yep, that How old were you when, when that 
that came as a result of me pursuing a master's degree mm -hmm. in uh, counseling educational psychology, which was something that was not a plan, not part of my plan in terms of what I thought I would be doing professionally. Mm. Um, I, you know, as a young man, my father was a successful businessman and I in turn wanted to be that. Mm. I wanted to emulate his success mm -hmm. and got a degree in business management and pursued that and was, could not create much success doing that oh. and um, quickly realized that I did not have the capacity or the mentality of a businessman, you know, that is kind of has that dog eat dog, very competitive, even though I'm incredibly competitive on any kind of field or a playing court. When it comes to business, yeah. I just did not have the mentality that my father had, which was, you know, we're going to go at it and I'm going to win at any cost. And um, so I quickly discovered that that was not within me and had somebody kind of mentor me through some emotional growth. And they kind of introduced me to the ideas of this way of making contact with people that was authentic and genuine and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember the first time, you know, this gentleman that became my mentor for many years approached me and I was just like, who the hell are you? And, you know, why are you talking to me? I didn't ask for this. And, you know, and he just kind of, you know, invited me through a door that nobody had ever, I didn't even know the door existed, to oh tell you God. the truth. Um, and freaking freaking so Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I'm so grateful that I've walked through the door because I feel like it's changed the history of uh, my, my family, you know, like the generations of, of dysfunction and abuse that have existed because of walking through that door. Mm. You know, my children are going to, you know, continue to, to open other doors that never would have been opened, I don't think, if, you know, I wasn't invited in the manner that I was to be, to create the kind of relationships that I cherish today. Wow, thank you so much. We, we dove right in here. Oh yeah, this is great. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> we're gonna, we're to gonna take, a take a little break okay. and we'll be right back more with Tony Himes. Thanks so much for listening. with the Rocket Feather Podcast, speaking with Tony Himes. I'm here. Uh, this is Charles Matthews and... Kelly Robert. And thanks for being a part of this conversation. Tony, I'd love for you to explain a little bit more about what you mean by the concept of contact. It's, it's a gestalt therapy concept. Is that right? It is. Therapy that I, that I cherish deeply is gestalt therapy. And one of the core principles behind that is that through authentic contact, you meet people where they're at and they meet people where you're at and that that is where aware, awareness kind of blossoms. Mm -hmm. And that with that awareness, we're able to be present with whatever it is that we are, you know, and there's an acceptance in that that allows for the potential for change. So an, an acceptance of where each other are at yes. allows for change. That seems yes. like a, a conundrum, a, a contradiction. It is a conundrum of contradiction. <laughs> and gestalt therapy is full of contradictions. Hmm. You know, one of the ideas in gestalt therapy is that in order for change to occur, you have to completely and unbiasedly accept who you are 
in no matter what the condition is. And when you can do that specifically without judgment and self-criticism, then it just creates the potential for something different to manifest in yourself or even in the world, but without absolute unconditional acceptance. And it's the idea of unconditional love, really. Hmm. You know, they don't use that word in Gestalt therapy, but that's how I um, have experienced it, that when that sense of unconditional love is present towards yourself and when you're in relationship with somebody, you know, whether it's through a therapeutic means or in the family, when there's that sense of unconditional love, it's like, it's limitless, hmm. you know, I mean, and which is a concept when I even say that, I just like, I, my whole body kind of fills with joy, like, fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so that's bad. what I want in life is yeah. limitlessness. Limitlessness. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like that's what that approach, you know, or that, that concept brings to somebody is just the limitless possibilities of what they're capable of, who they are, what they can feel, you know, that there's mm -hmm. no right or wrong feeling. There's no good or bad feeling like most approaches, you know, will, will connote is that there's good and bad. And yeah. in my way of being it, there is no good and bad. There's just what is. Yeah. And once there is that acceptance of what is, then if there's something that you want to change or it feels necessary to change, there's the opportunity presents itself through awareness. And that's, you're talking about something that is really different than, than standard culture. Yes, absolutely. I mean, standard culture is all about labeling behaviors, that's labeling, labeling people, unfortunately, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. um, labeling whole, whole other cultures. Yes. And, and, one is one has to be bad for the other to be good. Mm. But what I'm hearing you saying is that there's there's something else that shows up when you stop, when I stop, when we stop making those judgments. Is that correct? It's kind of, you know, the idea of black and white thinking. Uh, you know what I mean, just think about what that creates. You yeah. know, I mean, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You know, somebody's going to be damned in that approach. Yeah. You know, and that's to me what happens culturally. It can't not show up inside somebody, you know. Um, we so internalize that. We internalize that. Mm -hmm. I don't see, I mean, I feel like I'm constantly fighting on that dichotomy, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why I don't watch a lot of TV and news, you know, because I can feel, I can, like, I almost feel like a push coming out towards me. And there's a, there's a sense of resistance to that. And, you know, I feel like I'm at, I, I've got my own little war, you know, connected to the dysfunctional family dynamics. And now I got the dysfunctional dynamics of our culture that I'm trying to fend off. Yeah. You know, so that I can have some sense of peace and serenity mm -hmm. in the way I go about my life. You know, so... That black and white thinking, you know, that shows up in other forms of therapy and just in the culture in general and the yeah. families, I, I think that it 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 creates a lot of of disharmony um, that isn't necessary. It's interesting that you're seeing the the downsides of that black and white thinking, but for the general culture, the dominant culture, the whole purpose is to make sure that to get into the good category. 
right. to be in the white category, to be in the dominant category, to right. be, you know, male, to be white, to be right, to be rich. And there's not a lot of thought given to, I mean, how, how are those people, how are those people damaged? How are the, how are they not being okay? Like, I get it that you don't want to be doing that, mm -hmm. but why not? Why not compete? Why not prove that you're right? Why not prove that you're better? Why not? Uh, well, and how much of that is unconscious anyway? I mean, how do you mean? Of of trying to get into the right categories, into the you know, if you're it's dark and light or whatever, yeah. to that striving to win in our culture, I think is really unconscious for a lot of people, huh. and I'm guessing a lot of pe those people wind up in your office. I wish they did. <laughs> <laughs> they'd, be, you know, they'd, be, they'd be better off. Well, I mean, I really do. I mean that in a serious way because the majority of people that are in my office are on the downside of what they are. You know, they feel like they're the, quote, losers. Uh, right, know? but that's what I – and they're there – they've internalized it as much as anybody else. I mean, Absolutely. That's, that's what I, I – I don't mean that, that only the, the winners want, should wind up in your office. No, I just mean a, like we're all trying to win and most of us aren't succeeding at winning according the, to those rules. Right. Yeah. But according to the, the dynamic that you just described, we can all win. I, I believe that there's the potential for all of us to win. Right. And I, you know, I mean, it sounds funny to say, but if, if the quote winners, you know, would allow themselves to be introspective in the manner that I feel we need in order to not be so in such a dichotomy of black and white and winners and losers that it requires yeah. that introspection. And they bought into the idea that you know, it isn't introspection. It's going to be what I can gather and what I can create, what I can take. What, know, I can, what I can defeat. What I can defeat. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I, the absurdity of that continues to astonish me because, you know, we are, they're intelligent people. And I mean, history has shown that that just doesn't create the best of outcomes in the long run, <laughs> you know, and I... I mean, uh, I'm always astonished. If, if we just try harder, it'll work this time, Tony. If we just yeah. try harder. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, and we're seeing this epidemic among men, among white men yeah. of suicide and, and drug overdoses and, yes. and you know, guys who, they're one rung down, right? They're, they're white, they're male, they got everything going for them, except they don't have a million dollars and they don't have a successful relationship. They don't have a successful yeah. business. And so they're measuring themselves against that against the you know the winners the the elon musks or the guys driving mm -hmm. the better cars than them and they're just they're just in despair and off of them and they're lonely yeah. and when you talk about being in contact when you talk about trying to make contact with the bank teller mm -hmm. and the idea of you kind of going around going around prescott looking for people to be in contact <laughs> with you know that makes me think about the other day i was at uh i can't remember if i was at the hr department for the county or something where i needed to get something done and i realized that the first couple of words out of my mouth were, were just really transactional. Mm -hmm. And then I was trying to reel them back in and be at least neighborly, mm -hmm. at least grateful, at least happy. I don't think yeah. I was necessarily going all the way over to like 
trying to make contact and trying to really see that person for who they were, were, but at least to, at least not, at least not to be shades for one another. Right. Artificial figures, AI, you know, it could might've well just done it, you know, via an online form. Mm -hmm. And, and I I recognize that, that Mm -hmm. I was just, I was moving too, moving too fast. Yeah. Trying to get something from this person. And I noticed that my, when I let go of that transactional nature, like I could breathe a little Mm -hmm. bit more. And um, and yeah. don't we all love it when people are trying to get something from us? Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> we'll have to ask people when they listen to these podcasts. Just like, does the sarcasm? Do you get it that it's sarcastic, yeah. or does it, or does it not show up? Yeah, it took me not, a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was great. I think we got the idea, the concept of of contact in it. And what I'm really, what I love about what you do and how you translate that concept and you're talking about it coming all the way down from from big thinkers like like huber and and buber sorry and and through through gestalt therapy Mm -hmm. your ability to bring it into day-to-day life of your own Mm -hmm. do you how successful have you felt in helping your clients or other people family members whoever kind of learn how to do that as well or is it something that just really takes expertise Hmm. i think that if if someone experiences it enough that it becomes a part of them, you know, but it really requires a level of vulnerability, mm. one, to let yourself truly be in contact with another person, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, kind of getting the stuff out of the way that interferes or interrupts that, you know, requires a fair amount of time and detailed attention. And doing that is what allows that contact to occur. Mm-hmm. But you know, by nature, we often create these these uh, barriers or defenses or whatever, you know, and there's a necessity for them because the world isn't safe. And so, hmm. you know, it takes a fair amount of effort and um, commitment on any person's part to kind of get through that and sift through that so that they can make that level mm-hmm. of contact that we're talking about. And I find that when they experience that, there's a sense of aliveness that occurs in them that they remain hungry for, mm. ah. you know, and, you know, they've experienced, again, you know, I referred to drugs and alcohol and different things. We all experience aliveness through that and through sex or through shopping and you buy the new car. And it's like, yeah, I'm a, yeah. you know, you feel mm-hmm. that sense of aliveness. And when they get that in relationship, you know, it's just like, oh, I didn't know this was an option like I was saying before, (laughs) you know, like for me going through that door, I didn't know this existed. I felt alive doing all this other shit, (laughs) you know, and now I feel alive talking to you two right now. Mm. Like I can feel it happening and I have, you know, a deep sense of gratitude that I'm here with you and you're here with me. Yeah. It's like, man, what else? You know, I don't need, I don't need much else here. I keep thinking about the bank teller and I, and it made me think of two things from my own life. I worked a lot of retail when I was younger and I, my first thing I imagined was just that it takes when you deal with the public, you know, especially in a, in a place like a bank teller, it's just a constant line of people all day long. Mm-hmm. And some of them are angry and whatnot, or some of them are transactional and they're just trying to get their mm-hmm. thing done so they can yep. go do the next thing. And that it takes a sort of girding to to be in that kind of a role. And I, I 
imagined her, I'm assuming it was a her, maybe yes. it wasn't, but um, her not wanting to let that, you know, starch down yeah. because oh. to, to be present with you, yeah. to, to share that moment. But I also know there were lots of times in my retail life that, that making contact really made my day right. with someone. But I also, the other thought that popped up for me is I was in a car accident once when I was like 19 or so, and I got, I got rear-ended and I didn't get really hurt, but it shook me up so mm-hmm. much that I started crying and I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And and that was the other thing of like, when you really touch someone through being present with them, mm-hmm. If they have been holding on to stuff for a long time and they haven't been in a place where they've been able to express mm. themselves, I think that it can be really scary for people to have all of that come pouring out. Mm. And I, I mean, I'm guessing you see that in your office, mm-hmm. but I, I can imagine if you're just trying to do your job and someone is really just wonderfully open and vulnerable with you, depending on what the state of that person is. It could be kind of scary or embarrassing or something if you feel a lot of emotion come up. Absolutely. There's all there's all these there's all these things to fear. Tony was saying earlier, it's like life is scary. Life is life life is dangerous. It's not safe. That's what you said, right? Yeah, life is not safe. There's Mm -hmm. this idea, is it? And then there's this idea so there's this not safe, I'm gonna get beat up, I'm gonna get rear ended, I'm gonna get told that I'm stupid, I'm gonna Lose my job. Get gonna, eaten by a lion. I'm going to get eaten yeah. by a lion. You know, I'm going to, somebody's going to look at me cross-eyed. And then there's this other imagined danger. Like even just being vulnerable is dangerous because we imagine these other things are going to happen. Right. Well, even social dangers are not imagined. I mean, even social yeah. dangers can be devastating. Right. But they feel more existential. In my experience, they feel more existential than they are. Than they usually are. Yeah. But I mean, now yeah. with, you know, the shaming stuff online and whatnot, yeah. I mean, like people right. are getting ruined by a misstatement. Yeah. You know, Gosh. people can yeah, get... I like hearing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everything we just said about opening up and being uh, vulnerable, Kelly yeah, has just, just made it really clear that yeah, we just should... Do just don't do it. <laughs> just don't do it. <laughs> no, the, 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 the rewards, for me, the rewards are so great. Like I've, I've like, kind of like what you mm. talked about. It's like I've experienced it enough in, in therapy and in, in retreats and in vision quests and with boys to men just doing stuff. I've experienced it enough that now I'm, I'm seeking it out. It's mm. like, give me, I'm, I'm a, I'm a druggie now, man. It's like, yeah. Give me more of that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to have any kind of conversation that isn't yeah. about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Unless I'm at the HR department and I forget, but yeah, but everything um, else just feels like bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's yeah, say. well, let's uh, let's take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, Kelly just called bullshit, so we're gonna we're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break, and and we'll be right back. I'm not sure where it's gonna go from there. Thanks so much for listening to the Rocket Feather Podcast. back with part three of the fourth episode of the Rocket Feather podcast with Tony Himes, Kelly Roberge, and Charles Matthews. And Kelly's got a question for Tony. Yeah, well, I, I'm curious because you have to have seen hundreds of people by now in your career. And I'm really curious what what it looks like when when you 
reach that place of contact with people in a therapeutic setting, Mm -hmm. what happens when that, when you get to that place? This is a challenge to describe what you're asking. I bet. I bet. I, I can only, I mean, this is the way I see it or the way it, this is the way it feels to me. Um, I'm assuming your listeners and you two have been a part of a music or a concert and the musicians are doing their thing and there's this exchange between the people that are dancing or that are listening and the, and the artists that are performing. Hmm. And there's this flow that is going back and forth and there's this reciprocal giving and receiving Hmm. of whatever it is that that is. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have the intelligence or the language to describe that. I know the feeling that happens is a sense of joy, Hmm. peace, unconditional love, and just like, um, like I don't have to do anything or be anything or... It's almost like a sense of self is absent, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and what I notice in the clients that I see when that happens is surprise, you know, that they're feeling what they're feeling, that they're experiencing this. And like the left and time, you know, when it is really there, you know, it's just like, what's happening? You know, like they're kind of, and and my response typically is, is I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you know? And, you know, like, and I really try and do stuff to help them deepen what they're experiencing so that it becomes a part of them. Mm-hmm. Because there's such an absence of that experience in their life that there's almost a hesitation and a disbelief that what they're experiencing is real. Yeah. So how do they get more of it? I mean, it's not like, are you the gas pump and they have to come and fill up? Or I I mean, how do they, how um, do you teach them how to do that in other places in their life? I think that, you know, when they get that, we we have a conversation, you know, often after, and I do some explaining like I'm doing with you, you know, so that it Mm -hmm. isn't this totally mystical experience, Mm -hmm. you know, because it has a sense of that. Like it feels kind of mystical to yeah. me. Um, I, I, say it's, I say it's a little transpersonal. There's, yeah, it's very in the, transpersonal. In the, in the work that I've done with kids, you know, do facilitating kids in, in rites of passage, you know, we talk about how, well, you know, some of the, like the mid-level mentors say, well, I feel like something's coming through me. Yes. But I've gotten to the place where it's like, it's not through me. It's just like yeah. something, something beyond me and yeah. the kids. Something Absolutely. else mm-hmm. shows up That's right. that encompasses both of us. And people get, you know, you start talking that way, there's something else. <laughs> You're like, oh, here we go. Talking Sedona now. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, yeah. Is, is, I can imagine that it does feel like a mystical experience, but if you think of it as a mystical experience, then it's magic and it's not necessarily repeatable. Right. Or right. then you have to have a set of rituals to get to it. Right. You know, it's like, that sounds... Like a slippery yeah. slope to me. And, and you know, I, so this is how I approach that, Kelly. And I re- I've never had to talk about this in the way I'm talking about it. So this is, this is somewhat challenging. Yeah. And that's you know, what we're here for. And, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, so I feel like what I bring 
you know, when they experience that is some concrete cognitive understanding of that so that they can have support in discovering it in other ways. You know, I'll talk the way I'm talking about this idea of contact, and I may use a different language that they're going to be able to relate to. But And I will really help them understand that the level of vulnerability that they allowed themselves to experience, they can open themselves up to in many ways. And that there needs to be a safety, one, because, again, the environment gets created with through safety, which allows them to move into that level of vulnerability where they can experience you know, what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about that, you know, like that can be experienced in nature. If you open mm. yourself up to nature, that mm. can be experienced through music. And so I'll even ask them about experiences with music or being a part of, you know, someone looking at them, you know, in a way that they feel loved. And they'll be like, yeah, that has, they'll make commonalities. So you're helping them find the instances that are already happening yes, for them. Yes, they haven't mm. had the awareness. But they just the didn't recognize. Yeah. Correct. Wow. You okay. Know, so it's kind of like weaving a quilt and they've already got, you know, a lot of the fabric there. And this is just, you know, another piece of that that reminds them, oh, you know, I've experienced this. And, you know, again, because of the nature of our world and oftentimes the nature of the families they grew up in, there's so much that interferes with the potential of that. Right. You don't you want know. to send them home to practice with their alcoholic dad or whatever. Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. It's you know, like, so don't do this with someone you know is going to punch you in the correct. face. So emotionally, emotionally yes. or otherwise. Yes. Yeah. And that, you know, that becomes a, a really important part of the process for them, yeah. you know, that they consider who they are inviting into their heart, you know, um, because they may not be very well practiced at that or the people that they have invited in their heart betrayed them. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's just so many things to get out of the way so that they can feel alive, mm-hmm. you know, in the world and in themselves. Yeah. So you, you work a lot with families, right? I do. What, what do you see that, that works in a family, either that they take away from working with you or that they had in the first place? Okay. So, so first, often there's intergenerational patterns of behavior that are kind of arrived here in the office. You know, it's mm. not like there's one family here. There's like six families, mm. you know. Oh, so, yeah. You know, to me, it's very important to have that kind of conceptual idea when a family's here. Like, I've got ancestors here, mm. you know, that have all contributed to the nature of what's happening in this moment. And oftentimes... Positively and not so positive. Positively and not so positive. Yeah. Absolutely. And that every adult in the room is really their child self is still yes active. active. Yeah. Yes, and the often you know there is a, a a kid that is the identified patient, so to speak, and that kid is kind of you know the one that the laser is pointed pointed at, and they're feeling. Emotions that are they have no idea and making sense of it. It's almost like their electricity buzzing, and you know, imagine a a wire that fell off the thing, mm-hmm. and it's like sparking and bouncing all over, and you know, and that's how the kid is behaving, and it gets all this attention. But some so, of that, some of that electricity coming through that wire is not even that. It's not even, even that, that kid. kid. Not at it's all. Six generations back. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And there's just you know so. I really try and be mindful of that and keep my expectations low on what can be done, 
you know, with this family in the period of a couple hours or, you know, if they had the wherewithal to stay with it for many hours, you know, there's, you're not going to change all of that, but you're going to provide opportunity to kind of spread things around so that takes the pressure off of this kid, Mm. you know? And to me, that's the objective is to kind of spread the identified problem around and to reframe the problem into something different than a problem. Oh, And oftentimes mm. when that can happen, the family doesn't feel like there's something wrong with them, you know, because that's, they often come in because this kid's got a problem and then they start to realize, oh, it's a family thing. Oh, we got a problem. And they kind of fall into some shame or yeah. guilt or whatever. Yeah. And then you, you got to expand that out, you know, like if, we can all kind of contribute to what's happening, then maybe we don't have a problem. You know, we've just got some matters that need attention, mm-hmm. you know, and if we can give oh. attention to these things, then the pressure is taken off this kid who starts to can relax, you know, and then it allows the whole family to kind of move into it. the potential of showing up differently with each other and the way they communicate and the way they treat each other and the way they treat themselves. You know, because it really starts with how they're treating themselves and that goes, you know, it really reflects on the parents and then they're treating themselves in accordance with the way they were treated. You know, you can see how these intergenerational things can come into play. Yeah. If it's never been given attention, you know, then how can anything change? Right. Yeah. And so with families, it's, it's very challenging, you know, to help them open up to the broader perspective of why they're there, you know, because their perspective when they come in is this kid. Yeah. Fix this kid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's your job to fix the kid. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of family therapists, in my opinion, make the mistake of focusing on the kid. Letting that happen. Letting that be the case. So how willing are the parents to take that new frame and try it on? There's a lot of resistance, you know, and Again, a lot of times they'll leave the therapy because for me, I'm asking for that from them. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. I'm not going to work with just the kid. You're, it needs to be, this needs to be, you know, framed as not just his problem, but this is something that's happening with the family. And there's a lot of resistance to that, you know, because that's going to challenge them to reflect on themselves. And a lot of times their marriage, mm-hmm. you know, because the marriage is at the heart of the family and there's a lot of resistance if there's something going on in the marriage to give attention to that. And so they'll depart before that can happen. Wow. You know, I'm really, I'm really activated by the idea of being part of something multi-generational. Yeah. Like I'm really activated in a positive way of like, I am breaking the cycle Yes. in my own family. Yep. And my family's fairly functional, but it's like, like the deep wound that I received as a seven-year-old was just my father's disdainful look. Yes. Like that fucked me up for years. Yes. And when I realized that, I knew that that was the exact same look that he got from my grandfather. So I feel like this is awesome. I am here in the early 21st century with access to therapists and all this wisdom. I'm the one. Yes. Who's going to figure out how not to give yeah. that look to my niece. The buck stops my, here. The buck stops here. Yeah. And I feel really good about that. Yeah. And and, and I'm lucky enough that I've got a lot of resources around me. Mm-hmm. But do, do the families that you're working with, do, do, do other people get activated that way? Do they do they feel the sense of, you know, like it's almost like a mythic 
task. It's yes. like, this is great. This is important. Right. I can do this. Right. Or do they just feel like, oh, fuck. I think mostly they feel like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I feel hopeful that with this information age that they're able to get information like through your podcast, yeah. you know, that somebody that normally wouldn't listen to someone like this is listening and they go, oh, I never considered that, you know, or I never thought about this interge- intergenerational idea. Yeah. Um, and then that allows them just to kind of open themselves up to some new information and go down the road that you've gone down and yeah. you've gone down and I've gone down. Yeah. I mean, I just, that's my hope. Yeah. You know, and that's, I feel like that's what I attempt to do when I'm seeing a family. Yeah. Is just in a very uh, welcoming way, invite them through that door, just like I was invited mm. through that door. Oh, yeah. You know, and so. And not everybody accepts that invitation. No, despite the sensitivity in which it's approached, yeah. you know, for whatever, you know, the things that you talked about, Kelly, the, you know, that concern regarding that vulnerability, it's just like. No, not interested. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And but that doesn't mean to say that it might not happen. I mean, a lot of people, when they enter into a divorce, you know, or somebody dies, you know, mm-hmm. or they get sick, you know, that door cracks open. And, you know, again, they're yeah. going, do I go through or not? Yeah. Because those kinds of, of things really challenge what it is that we think is important in the world. Definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was curious because, you know, we've, we've talked about endlessly about uh, the boys going through the rite of passage weekend yeah. and being part of Boys to Men for a while and then dropping out and getting in trouble and and just the the idea that even the smallest experience of that connection and kindness I had an experience yeah. years and years ago with a stranger on the street that just eye contact that was that connection Mm -hmm. for me in a time when I was upset and and I felt terrible and I still carry that Mm -hmm. with me. And I was just passing a stranger on the street who saw me and saw that I was upset and and looked into my heart with love. And I still carry that. Mm. And and we've, you know, how many boys have we known over the years who yeah. have gotten in trouble and then later, you know, yep. the the love and the connection that they got at the rite of passage or, you know, in, in yep. different boys to men activities gave them something that down the road still spoke to them. Yeah. yeah. And... Any parent who sits in your office for an hour maybe has that same thing, even mm-hmm. if they're not ready in that mm-hmm. moment that that somewhere down the road they that seed cracks open and yeah. begins to grow is, is that is that what keeps you motivated or is it or is it more you know that the idea that there might be some untold effect later or is it more of the wow, this is freaking awesome right here in the moment or is it a a, a combination of those things? Mm, what keeps me motivated? <laughs> uh, I think the I think the possibilities mm. is what keeps me motivated. You know, because as I said at the beginning of our conversation, you know that I I go into most of these things without any expectation, and I just feel like there's always a possibility. 
you know, yeah. and it's not like I walk out of the office very often going, yeah, you know, but I go back with the hope that maybe, ah, you know, the, there's a possibility, you know, there's, there's yeah. potential that I don't know about that I, that I don't even pride myself on being able to open, you know, them up to. Mm-hmm. I'm just aware that there's something that allows for these possibilities for me. Yeah. Allowed it for you, this yeah. guy to look at you and allowed it for you. I'm, yeah. I feel like that's what keeps me motivated. Yeah. You know, like whatever that is that creates that, the potential of possibility. I'm like, fuck, I'll go check that out. It's like, yeah. it's going on a ride that I've never been on, you know? That's really interesting because that's, that's one of the words that popped out of our interview with, with Jess Stickle, who's doing coaching and work with families as well. It's just, I don't even remember what she said about it. Just being, just trying to mirror the possibilities yeah. that are present right. in the situation. No. Just, just holding up those possibilities that, that, that there is. There are other ways of, of behaving and responding. I don't even think, I don't and, even think it's that specific. It's yeah. just like, there are possibilities here. I don't yeah. even know necessarily what right. they are, but I'm, I'm going to hold up the idea that that's true. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That there are options. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking of, of wrapping up and, and Tony, I hadn't thought about this and I didn't prep you at all. So you can definitely say no, but, um, what if we, what if we just did a little really quick gestalt mindfulness exercise with everybody listening to the podcast right now? <laughs> okay. Um, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. Yay. Right. Yeah. I love therapy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'll just invite each of you just to say what it is that you're aware of in this moment. And we're just going to encourage everybody listening to just do this in your, do this, or you can do it out loud if you're alone, right? Yeah. So what's the prompt again? Just um, as you sit on, yeah. you know, your chairs and you're aware of your body sitting the way that it is, what, what calls to your consciousness in terms of an emotion in your body, an emotion in your heart, and just what catches your attention? I'm aware, I'm aware of, of, um, I'm aware of my heart in my body or I'm, I'm aware of the, the presence of it. I, I, I want to call it heaviness. Like I can feel it in my chest, but it's not a sadness. It's, it's a, a heaviness of kind of rooted joy and gratitude, mm-hmm. I guess is what it is. Okay. Yeah, I just feel I'm aware of like a tightness. I'm I'm not sitting up straight. I'm kind of a sloucher, and I I think part of that I was holding on in my in my abdomen, and so yeah, it feels better because I sat up straight. Okay. But I'm also aware of kind of a stillness that feels good hmm. instead of unnerving sometimes stillness unnerves me but this is kind of a nice stillness all right now i would invite you and charles to make some form of contact with each other however you want it to be whether it's you know with your body or with your eyes or however you do it just make contact with each other and pay attention to what happens So just say what you're experiencing, because the listeners can't see what I see. Right. Yeah. That's probably a little boring for them. <laughs> but yeah, the the tension that I felt in my in my abdomen is just gone. Mm. 
I also noticed how easy it is for us to to connect. Mm-hmm. Like just all we have to do is look at each other. So do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to change that a little bit and mm-hmm. speak directly to Charles about that. Oh, okay. Well, I just met your eyes and instantly felt connected. I felt my energy change. Mm-hmm. And, and then when my mind started to scan to try to notice what was happening, I realized that my, that my tummy was feeling relaxed. And I just enjoyed the sparkle in your eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoy the. I really enjoy the sparkle in your eye as well. And I, I, I take a deep breath. And the thought that came to mind was, "Well, here we are." <laughs> and and I don't want to be anywhere else with right. anybody else. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And for me, watching you two connect in the way you just did. Like, I feel like I'm a part of your love for the moment. Mm. You know, and what a gift for me to be a part of your love. I'm so glad that I know you, Tony. (laughs) I'm going to have a little cry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, yeah, anybody listening, take a moment to reflect on on what's going on for you right now. (laughs) And uh, the nice thing about podcasts is mostly people listen to them alone, so they they can have their little cry if they want. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Tony. Thank you for being part of this this oh. podcast oh. and and this community and and my learning. I, I I've learned so much from you that I take to these uh, to programs with parents and kids and and with Kelly and myself. Mm. Just like oh, I should be in contact with myself. Mm, and, absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely enriched my life and the and enriched it in a way that's outside of all of that striving right it's like i'm letting go and now i have more (laughs) what (laughs) what (laughs) i'm letting go of judging myself and now i feel better about who i am and now i feel better about how you are and how you are yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i appreciate what you all are saying and i appreciate that you're allowing our voices to kind of go out into the world that uh, this is new for me to yeah. have my voice in this way um, and it's been a joy thank you Welcome. Tommy this is great Oh, thank you so much for coming on this journey with us back into this classic episode. We hope you got as much out of it as we did. Yeah, absolutely. And we hope that you can deploy some of the some of the feelings and techniques that you got out of listening to Tony. We want to let you know that we are about to have our second anniversary, second hey, anniversary. Congrats yeah. to us. Congrats to Woo-hoo. us. October 23rd is when we released October 23rd, 2019. Holy smokes. In a different universe, in a different time. Yeah. was when we released our first episode. We're going to do something special for the anniversary. We're going to call up. We're going to kind of continue this trip down memory lane. We're going to call up old guests. Not, Not old. Previous How old guests. are they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> previous guests. We're going to call our favorite people. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Pod. See how they're doing. See how they're doing. Um, share how we're doing. Share how the podcast has affected us. Hopefully hear from them how the podcast has affected them. We've got a wish list of, yes. of people that we want to contact, but we want to hear from you. Yes. Please tell us which previous guests would you like to hear from? Who are you, yeah, who are we'll you try. most curious about? Are you most curious about, you know, Travis Bell, who was uh, put it on his bucket list to swim with whale shark? Oh, I want to know. Did he did he get that done? Uh, do you want to hear from from Kate Christensen uh, living in the yeah. wild? Does you she know, have any new books coming out yeah, or yeah, Matt Ruff? Does he have anything new coming out since uh, since uh, Lovecraft Country was robbed at the Emmys? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Let us know who you want to hear from. And we want to hear on this anniversary episode. We want to hear from from some of the fans and some of the longtime yeah. listeners. So if you've got time, I think we're going to make some phone calls happen on the 23rd and 24th of October. Mm. If you want to uh, have us call you up and record the conversation. Yeah, slide us, into our tell DMs. Tell us about your, the last two years of your life as it relates to the podcast. Love We'd love to hear from you. So. Uh, reach out through social or uh, email us at contact at rocketfeather.com and let us know that you want to be a podcast star. Yes. You can also follow us on Instagram at rocketfeather1 and be sure to sign up for the newsletter. We're really proud of this weekly newsletter. It contains more information about the guest, more information about the, the podcast episode, and also engages with kind of what Kelly and I are doing to put these ideas into practice on a weekly basis so you can kind of hear what we're doing and there'll always be links for how you can join in on whatever it is that we're doing and as well in the newsletter there's mm -hmm. always a picture of a podcast yeah it's just a little drop of goodness it doesn't take a long time to read and I, I think Charles does it I'd proof it and it's uh it's really good I have to say I like I like proofing it so I get to read it so go to here-together.us slash join to sign up for the newsletter awesome that's easy and join us in the Here Together Community Lab on Facebook if you want to contribute to the conversation, meet other like-minded hotties, and share your journey through healing, engagement, and community. We want to know your story. This is Charles Matthews. And Kelly Roberge wishing you so much connection and belonging. We, we love, love you. you. The Here Together Podcast is a project of Rocket Feather Creative.